You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Welcome to episode 99. We are so close to the 100th episode my flowers are simply gasted. Simply gasted. When I started this podcast uh, by recording on my old iPad and manually like starting and stopping the royalty-free music on YouTube, like in the recording, not putting music in afterwards, literally whilst I was recording, I would start and stop royalty-free music from YouTube. In the recording and now we're here almost 80,000 downloads 100 episodes and an absolutely phenomenal community of history BFFs and delicious donuts but we are not here for the mush today we are in fact here for the weird the mush will have to wait for next week we are here for the weirdness that is the French rat trials and it's it's exactly what it sounds like. France put some rats on trial, but it's also so, so much more than just that. And before we dive into our topic, I'd like to remind you to head on over to Instagram to participate in the giveaway that I'm holding to celebrate the 100 episodes. I am so excited about that. I'll be giving away some cool for the love of history merch uh to two people and uh, all of the details on how to enter that is on instagram so go ahead go on over there and you can also submit your questions for the live recording of episode 100 so um yeah you should you should go on over to instagram <laughs> okay but i won't keep you waiting any longer for this episode grab yourself a beverage and a snack and a gavel if you got one because we are going to court my friend so let's get to it humans have been putting both inanimate objects and animals on trial for thousands of years in fact prosecuting animals and objects has been a thing for an alarmingly long time and the first case of humans suing an inanimate object surprisingly doesn't come from the Egyptians. I definitely thought it would have. Nay, nay, dear one. We have the Greeks to thank for putting a statue of a famous wrestler on trial when it fell over and killed a dude. The deceased had been a rival of said wrestler for years and was coming to the statue quite frequently to whip it. Yes, you heard that correctly. To whip the statue, because he was big mad that he never got a chance to beat that wrestler when that wrestler was alive. One day, whilst he was whipping the statue, it fell over and squished him, once again, besting him 
even from the grave. The crushed man's family was understandably upset and demanded that the statue be punished. So it was put on trial, found guilty, and sentenced to an eternal slumber at the bottom of the ocean. They literally threw the statue in the ocean to punish it, to punish the statue. And these kinds of events were, if not common, not out of the ordinary at all. And Plato himself wrote about them in his law book. From then on, humans began prosecuting all sorts of things, from bathtubs to wheel carts to mosquitoes, bulls, pigs, dogs, and of course, cats. We know about that. And the prosecution was very serious business. Animals and objects were subject to due process and were given a lawyer, and there were even processes on how and where to prosecute different types of animals. Throughout Europe in the Middle Ages, particularly the later half, there were both the government courts and the ecclesiastical, meaning the church courts, often Catholic, and different kinds of cases were tried in each system. Farm animals such as cows, pigs, goats, horses, sheeps. Sheeps? Sheep? Sheeps? Anyways, however you say that. Those farm animals were tried in civil and criminal court because they were directly connected to a family or a human. They were the human's property slash responsibility, but had also enough free will to be tried independently. The creepy crawlies, the little wild beasties, on the other hand, were under the rule of a sky daddy, aka God, because nobody owns a leech or a snail or a mole or a weasel, all animals that have actually been put on trial before. There are records of these things. Therefore, these little vermin and pestiferous creatures, which is my absolute favorite new word, <laughs> these pestiferous creatures fell under the realm of the ecclesiastical tribunals, which is, is fancy talk for church court. So they were tried by priests and God. There were also lots of laws surrounding both types of trials. For example, if a farm animal or inanimate object was found guilty in criminal court for causing a person's death, it became a Deodend, D-E-O-D-A-N-D, -E a piece of property that had to be handed over to the crown and more often than not, the monetary value of that item or animal was given rather than the object itself because in many cases, such as livestock, the family needed that animal to function and to live. And also, like, what was... What was the crown and God going to do with like a bucket? Like if a bucket killed a dude, what, <laughs> what, what were they going to do with it? <laughs> with that money, the government was then supposed to use it in a godly way, such as rebuilding a church or getting new statues. I don't know. I don't know what churches did with their money back then, but they did something to help. However, that sometimes didn't happen and they just like pocketed the money for themselves. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the shadiness. On the other hand, in ecclesiastical courts, the vermin and pestiduous, what was that word? <laughs> pestiferous, the pestiferous creatures suffered a fate most dreadful. They were excommunicated from the Holy Catholic Church. <laughs> 
clutch my pearls, I know. How would the snails survive without their Holy Communion? My first thought too, friend. And this punishment was precisely the fate that was to befall the rats of Atun had it not been for one courageous lawyer. The year 1522. The place, Atun, France. The town was in an uproar looking for somebody to blame because something egregious had happened. Something that would surely cause the death and destruction of the city and the people in it. What was this great darkness, you ask, dear one? It was none other than Satan himself come in the form of hairy little whiskered rats that ate uh, just a ton of barley. Yes, my delicious little donut, the entire town was super pissed and looking for someone or something to blame. And it may not sound like a super big deal to us modern folk, but a bad crop could have been the difference between an easy winter and eating your neighbor. Just kidding. It wasn't it wasn't really that bad. But hungry peasants mean angry peasants and angry peasants mean nervous rich people and rich people don't like to be nervous. So to avoid anything worse from happening, the clergy of Atun wanted to appease their flock with a good old-fashioned rat trial. So the church put up a sign summoning the rats responsible and requesting their presence at the court on the designated day. And of course, because these men of God and the law were not monsters. They appointed a young up-and-coming lawyer named Bartholomé de Chazenouise. Oh my god, my French is so bad. Hold on, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna figure out how to pronounce this better. Okay, we're back with pronunciation. This lawyer's name is Bartholomé de Chazenou. <laughs> So they appointed him to represent the interests of the rats, which he enthusiastically accepted. The date was set, the flyer was hung, and all the townspeople came to the courthouse on the day of the trial. The judge, the people, the other lawyers, and Bartholomew anxiously awaited the arrival of the accused rats. But those furry little felons never showed up. How very dare they? How very dare they? Where were his clients? How could Bartholomew defend these delinquent barley eaters if they didn't show up? They would surely be excommunicated. However, good old Barty, he wasn't phased. He wasn't phased at all. He was the lawyeriest of lawyers in the whole city, and he had a plan. Do you know what this grown man said? to a room full of other grown adults. Of course, the rats did not show up because we only put out one announcement and there were tons of rats all over the city. We don't do our job <laughs> improperly announcing the court dates. That's on us. That's our bad. That's our fault. And the <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself from giving him a French accent. Was it good? I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> and the priest judge looked back at him and said, Oui, that, that is our bad. 
That makes complete sense. So they all agreed to postpone the trial and they made more announcements. <laughs> and they. <laughs> they posted the f- announcement flyers lower to the ground for the rats to be able to read. <laughs> I'm crying. (laughs) I can't believe this is a real thing. I can't believe people really honestly did try animals, let alone post announcements in low places so that the rats could read them. Oh, okay. I'm back. I'm ready. So they thoroughly posted all of the announcements all over town to make sure every single rat in the joint knew what was up. So the new trial date comes. (laughs) And same thing. Everyone is there. Judge, priests, lawyers, the townspeople, Bartholomew, all of them. Except, guess who's not there? The goddamn rats. The rats. audacity of these rats not to show up once again when the church had done its due diligence to make sure that all the rats in the town knew about the trial how very dare they the rats were going to be found guilty they were going to be excommunicated for sure this time what were satan's little whiskered helpers to do fear not fear not Dear one, because old Bartholomew de Chouiz, I can't even do it. Bartholomew de Chazenuise was on the case. He pointed out that it was obvious. It was obvious that the little barley munchers hadn't shown up. He could have predicted this. He did predict this. The trial was in the middle of the day when all manner of kitties and dogs were out and about. And you know who the mortal enemies of rats are? Cats and dogs. Cats and freaking dogs. And the court was legally obligated to provide safe transportation to the court for all of the accused in case of danger. They did not provide this protection. And the only answer was to ask people to lock up their pets during the next scheduled court date to allow safe passage to these accused rats. The court agreed, but after this day, the case just kind of disappeared. Was it thrown out? Were the rats acquitted? Or was the entire story made up? When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. 
Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. There has been some debate surrounding the legitimacy of the French rat trials. Bartholomew was in fact a real lawyer and he really lived in a tune during 1522. He was quite prolific and he made a very big name for himself. He also really did prosecute and defend many barnyard and pestiferous animals. In several French law books and his own memoirs, Bartholomew wrote about several animal-related court cases. However, he doesn't explicitly talk about this one. And this has led to a few people questioning the validity of this rat trial. And that's the main argument the rat trial dissenters give for believing that this is a false account. If Bartholomew didn't write about it himself in his law book, then obviously it wasn't true, right? However, there are some explanations as to why Bartholomew might not have added this case to his book and why it's not more widely written about. One scholar from the 1800s, St. Prix Beriat, argued that Bartholomew had been up for an important position at the time that he was writing his book and didn't want to come across as too braggy because the case had been such a roaring success. Basically, he didn't want to be like, yeah, I'm the rat guy, I'm the best, so you should like really hire me. Other people have suggested that because the rat trial never really had an ending, that he didn't include it in his book. So then what is the evidence to support this case. Well, there are several additional court documents from the time and around the area that describe the same rat trial situation, a bunch of vermin getting off on some technicalities. And the biggest piece of evidence people often cite to prove the legitimacy of this trial comes from a BFF of good old Bartholomew himself. And it is related to a very famous and horrific massacre slash trial of a bunch of so-called heathens. I know, right? I, reality is stranger than fiction. How how are we talking about the massacre of, of so-called heathens and rat trials all in the same episode? I don't know. It's very out of left field. It's bananas. But the story goes that good old Bartholomew had made it to a very high lawyer position in the world. He was a world-class judge and was defending all sorts of rich people. And in 1540, he was the president of the Parliament of Province when a case was brought to him. This case was about a group of people called the Waldensians who were part of a Protestant movement and were put on trial for heresy, meaning they did not believe in the same sky daddy. The Catholics of France at this time were very not chill. They were the opposite of chill. And they had been on a campaign against Protestants for like a hot minute. So when this Protestant town full of 80 families didn't show up to the summons, the French people were like ready to burn the village to the ground. But you know why they didn't show up? Because they were afraid for their lives. The Catholics of France were ready to send them down to see the boss of the barley rats. So of course they couldn't leave their village because if they did, they were afraid that they would get murdered. And when this case 
came to Bartholome, apparently his friend reminded him of the way that he had fought for the rats of a tune. And if those furry little barley eaters could receive that kind of grace and defense, then why couldn't this group of human beings? And Bartholome was like, damn, I did do that, didn't I? I am such a good lawyer. <laughs> so Barty put the sentencing of these people on permanent hold for as long as he lived. But unfortunately, he only lived for like another four months. And then he died. And then those people were no longer safe. But that is a story for another episode. So just like any good story, the rat trials are surrounded by mystery. And I'm sure there's a little bit of legend mixed in there as well. You know, it's those big fish stories where a good story goes from I caught a fish that was this big to I caught a giant massive sea monster. The more you tell it, the bigger the story gets. But regardless of what happened with the rats, animal and inanimate object trials were very much a real thing. They really, truly happened. But why? Many social scientists and historians have hypothesized the reason for this and seem to have come up with a general consensus, which is shit was real, real scary back then. And humans love control. It feels really yucky and weird when random bad stuff happens that seemingly has no explanation. No one likes random bad stuff and when it happens, it's comforting to have someone or something to blame. Whether it's right or wrong, it can be comforting for people. And I really like the way this lawyer, Paul Schiffen Berman, described the reason for these cases. He said that they allowed the community to domesticate chaos by providing a consensus explanation of social reality to replace what would otherwise seem to be a frightening and uncontrollable activity. Chaotic and painful events are thus brought under human jurisdiction. Chaos brought under control in the courtroom definitely brings about more sense of calm and security and justice than just letting a bunch of rats get away with eating your barley. And there you have it, my friend, the story of the French rat trials. Well, dear one, we have come to our final thought. It's short and sweet and weird. You remember the uh, Diodin, Diodand law thing, like suing inanimate objects and animals for specifically killing people? Well, it was a working law that stayed on the books in the UK until 1846. And you know what finally made lawmakers take it out? Trains. Well, choo-choo trains. Because trains were just killing people left and right. And it was getting too expensive to have these trials. And people were like noticing like, hey, I can get money from this, you know, train accident because this inanimate object killed my person that I'm close with. So it was trains. It was trains that finally ended this law in the UK. It did not, however, end in the United States. And to this day, 
you can find Diodens-ish laws existing throughout the United States. Well, dear one, thank you so much for joining me in this weird, weird episode. I love humans. How can we be so magical and silly and scary and weird all at the same time? I don't know, but I I love it. Also, the thought of adults in a room arguing the fate of <laughs> of rat souls is <laughs> is to me the height of comedy. I couldn't deal with it. And and that take in the episode was the best one. I had to do it like three different times. I had to re-record that part three different times because I was dying laughing. I got sweaty. Like I had to take a break. I was real, real hot. <laughs> so I apologize if I busted your eardrums <laughs> with my laugh. <laughs> if you'd like to share the hilarious rat-related joy, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform as an offering to the algorithm gods and just a little insight into some things going on over on Patreon. Uh, I am in the idea phase of writing a little book, so you can catch all of the details of that and get some sneak peek up excerpts, it's a hard word to say, on Patreon. There will also be a little birthday extravaganza for Patreon members only at the end of August because it's my birthday month. August 25th, just if you were wondering. Uh... <laughs> And the last thing I will say is that I have made some delicious donut merch ideas that you can go over to Instagram and vote for, see what the merch looks like, and uh, have your voice heard on what kind of delicious donut merch you would enjoy. And with that, I will leave you and see you next week for the live recording or the usual upload for episode 100. I'm so excited. So don't forget to drink your water. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself a hug if you're a hug person from me to you. Do something that makes you happy. And I will see you next week for the 100th episode. Okay, love you. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.